Um, the title of tonight's message is called The Secret. If you're taking notes, you should do that, by the way. You should take notes, like right on a napkin, your hand, your phone, your phone, not Facebook. It's okay. We won't know the truth. Um, but we know you're all taking notes, okay? Uh, the Secret of Violence is the name of tonight's message, the secret of violence. And so as you look at the screen and you look at the picture, you think like we're going to have some ninjas come up here and we're going to like do something or no, it's nothing like that at all. It's not that kind of violence. Um, in fact, um, I thought that was really funny when I saw that, that, that image that Jonathan made, which is a phenomenal image. Um, I just said the secret of violence. I mean, what would you have made? You know what I mean? Uh, so anyways, um, because I'm a really big, uh, like, cheesy action movie guy. Is any, can anyone else identify with that? Did I just, like, separate the whole room? No, I love cheesy action movies. Like, you have no idea. Like, Arnold Schwarzenegger, the governor, is like my man. Like, that is like, woohoo! I get so pumped about Arnold Schwarzenegger. I don't know where I'm going with this right now. But I just, I just, I love Arnold Schwarzenegger. He's like, get down, get to the top. Right? Right? <laughs> Where's Danny? He's always doing that, right? <laughs> Love the governor, man. That is my guy. I love it, man. I love it. I love cheesy action movies. Well, we're not talking about that kind of violence. <laughs> we're talking about a different kind of violence tonight. In fact, it's in Matthew chapter 11, verse 12, and I have it on the screen. It says, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence, but not cheesy governor violence, and the violent take it by force. Matthew eleven twelve. let me read that one more time. It says, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence and the violent take it by force. I've read the scripture many, many times and never had any clue what he was talking about until I kind of started to read more into the context and of, of what the scripture was actually talking about. Who was Jesus actually talking to? And what he was talking to or what he was talking about is uh, he had gone out to meet John the Baptist and this is where he was going to be baptized into the Jordan River. And while he was there, there were these crowds, these droves of people that were all around and going to hear this man call them a brood of vipers and call them snakes, which would be the equivalent of like, you guys come in here and we calling you dirty scoundrels or something. It was just, I don't know why they would go listen to something like that. But you see, you have to understand the context of Jesus' ministry and, and, and in the religion in that time period. And you see, what was going on is that religion had become very cold. It had become very legalistic. It was extremely hypocritical. It was extremely um, difficult to live for the Lord and to find something genuine. And so what Jesus was talking about here is that these people have inconvenienced their lives and left their temples and their synagogues and their comfort, comfortable places, their comfort zones, and they have violently pursued a deeper relationship with God out in the wilderness, listening to this guy preach about baptism and, and repentance of sins and, and putting your faith in the, in the upcoming Messiah. And so these people have violently pursued deeper things. They violently pursued, they've overcome obstacles to get closer to the Lord. And that's what he was talking about. And so he says, the kingdom suffers violence because the violent, the violent are taking it by force. And so the purpose of tonight's message, what I want to talk about is 
some keys that will unlock, unlock a closer, more intimate relationship with you and the Lord. Because when I read this verse and, and I think about the context of that scripture and think about inconveniencing yourself to seek out the deeper things of God, it's like, it made me think of this video right here. It made me think of this clip. Let's turn your attention to the screen real fast. No, seriously, customer service is not what it used to be, all right? And I say all that to say that when I think about my reflection, just personally, just being transparent with you, my own personal relationship with the Lord, I think to myself, am I sleeping on the job? Because, am, or am I, am I inconveniencing myself in order to pursue God in such a way that, that I, I, you could say I was violently pursuing him? I don't know. I guess that's kind of the condition of a lot of us too. You know, we profess that, that God is real, but we believe is, or live as if he doesn't exist. It's, it's kind of an epidemic, I guess. And so what I want to talk about tonight are three keys, three keys on violently pursuing the kingdom, violently pursuing a closer, more intimate relationship with God. You guys ready for point number one? I'm going to write this down. Point number one. Point number one is uh, genuine faith seeks God earnestly. Genuine faith seeks God earnestly. Hebrews 11.6 says, And without faith it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Genuine faith seeks God earnestly. 
so cool. You know, if you read, if, if you look at the Gospels, right, you look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they say that Mark is the one that is the most chronologically, it's put in chronological order, the way that it happened like day by day by day by day. And so if you read in the early parts of Mark, right, and you, you read through some of this stuff, it's so interesting how, let me just recap for you about a 48-hour period for Jesus real quick, okay? So Jesus goes to Decapolis, right? Jesus goes to Decapolis. He meets this guy who's a demoniac. He's possessed by demons. And he meets this guy, he heals him. That's where like the demons go into the pigs and they go into the river or whatever. So after that, Jesus leaves. He goes across the lake and when he gets to the other side of the lake, there's a crowd of people there following him, already there, like waiting for him, okay? And so he ministers to them all day long, like all day long, he ministers to these people and then he feeds them all. There's like 5,000 men, not including women and children. Some estimate there were as many as 10 to 15, 20,000 people could have been there. Okay? I don't know. The last time I was at an event, there was 5,000 people. I just wanted to go to bed. Okay? If I see 5,000 people, it makes me tired. All right? Seriously. He not only ministered to them all, but he fed them all. And then, after that, Jesus decides to send his disciples across the lake. And he decides to go for a walk on the lake. Okay? And as he goes for a walk on the lake, Peter forgets his floaties at home and it ends up falling into the water. Jesus saves him, takes him to the other, everybody to the other side. As he gets to the other side of the lake, everyone's like, I'm tired. You know what Jesus decides to do? Jesus decides, Jesus decides, I'm going to go off to a secluded place and I'm going to pray. Check this out. I'm going to pray all night long. What? What? Pray all night long? Pray? I, haven't, I cannot even just stay awake all night long, let alone fervently, violently pursue the kingdom of God all night long. But see, Jesus is teaching us a principle here. Jesus is teaching a principle, and what he's trying to teach us is that true rest does not come on your back. True rest comes on your face. Genuine faith earnestly seeks God. You see, you violently pursue after the kingdom of heaven any time that you make a choice that will violate your flesh. Now, don't take that the wrong way. I don't mean that violently, violently. But what I mean is, is your time where you choose to wake up early. The time where you choose, you know what, I'm going to turn the TV off and I'm going to read. Or I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that. Those types of decisions are the decisions that violently advance against the kingdom of heaven. Because what it does is it strengthens not, not the flesh man, it strengthens the spiritual man. Does that make sense? It strengthens the inner person inside of you. It builds them up. It makes them stronger. That's how you forcefully advance. That's how you spiritually and you violently pursue the kingdom of heaven and you grow spiritually. Genuine faith seeks God earnestly. And you know something it says in Hebrews eleven six. 6? It says that God rewards those who seek him earnestly. How does he reward you? He rewards you. And growing spiritually. We'll talk more about that in point number two. Let's move on to point number two. I've got some more stories for you. Point number two is because you look at it and you're like, well, wait a minute here. I mean, spiritual violence. Okay, I understand what you're saying. But how does one even begin? 
Okay, how does that even begin? That doesn't even sound realistic. I'm certainly not going to walk on water, save my friend from drowning, and then pray all night long. Okay, Just, so it's not even, that doesn't even make sense. But that brings us to point number two. And point number two is violence, be, spiritual violence begins, I put it up there, in the secret place. Spiritual violence starts in the secret place. Matthew 6, chapter 6, I'll explain. Because you're like, secret place? We're talking about the secret place. What is a secret place? Let's see this out. Matthew 6, verse 6 says this. It says, but you, when you pray, go into your room. And when you've shut your door, pray to your father who is in the secret place. And your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And if you keep reading down in verse 18, it says, but to your father who is in the secret place and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. You see, this is like revelatory to me about prayer because so many times we're like, we think and we feel that the only way that we get close to God or that we can be uh, growing in our relationship with him is through, is through preaching. But you see, when you come and you listen to a preacher, you're not learning anything on your own spiritually. You're gleaning off the relationship of a man that he has with God. And when you come into worship, yes, you're getting close and it's your time, but that's about him, not about you. And so imagine if you were trying to build a relationship with somebody, but you saw him only twice a week. It's hard to do. It's hard to do. And so the secret place, it says in the Bible, is any time that you shut the door, you shut out the distractions of the world, you shut out all the things that compete with your time, and they compete, and they're the voices that say, this isn't done yet, this is due tomorrow, you have to be there later, don't forget to pick up the kids, don't forget to pick up the kids, seriously, don't forget to pick up the kids, you really have to pick up the kids, don't, write that down, okay, I'm serious, don't forget to pick up the kids, in fact, I do have, where are the kids, I'm just kidding, I don't know, (laughs) Anytime you decide to go into the secret place, this cool thing is revelatory to me. God's already there. It says he's in the secret place. Your father who is in, he's already there. The hard part is not getting God here. God, we're here. We're praying. God, hello, hello, hello. No, 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 no. That's not the hard part. The hard part is getting to the secret place. One of the most violent things you could ever do is to wrestle your schedule to make it allow you have some time to get to the secret place. That's one of the most violent things you could ever do is wrestle down the time to to shut the door and to go to where he is. Have I ever talked about the fig tree before here? I couldn't remember. I have, I have. I can't hear you. I, I thought you almost said you didn't want me to say it again. Okay, uh, so let me, let, me, let me read this real quick. John 1, 47 and 50, it says this. I'll read this passage to you real fast. Jesus in his early ministry days, he's calling around some of his disciples. John chapter 1, it's the beginning of his ministry. Let me share this with you real quick. I think I still have time. It says, as they approached, Jesus said, this is Jesus' words. Now, here is a genuine son of Israel, a man of complete integrity, How do you know about me? Nathanael asked. Jesus replied, I could see you under the fig tree before Philip found you. Then Nathanael exclaimed, Rabbi, 
You are the son of God, the king of Israel. And Jesus asked him, do you believe this just because I told you I had seen you under the fig tree? You'll see greater things than this. This is your prayer life. And let me tell you why. A little story about the fig tree. You see in Israel, a very common tree would be the fig tree. And when it's full of figs and full of leaves, it hangs down low over the ground. And it creates a nice little shady spot. And shade, you can imagine, in the desert or in the Middle East is not a very common thing. And so it's very easy to understand that one may walk and sit underneath the fig tree and just kind of rest and kind of be quiet. And what's so interesting and how we know that that's an intimate moment between a man and God is because he said, I saw you when you were under the fig tree. And Nathaniel thought to himself, no one, no one knows about the fig tree because the fig tree is the secret place. Only God could know about the fig tree. He said, you must be God. You have to be God. Where is your fig tree? What is your secret place? It doesn't matter. Maybe it's in the car. Maybe it's on the way to work. Maybe it's, you know, like... It's, 1 Thessalonians 5.17, but pray without ceasing. Pastor Frankie says it all the time. It's, it's, not, uh, it's not praying for 45 minutes a day. It's praying four or five times a day. It's praying all the day along, constantly practicing his presence, constantly making things. God, thank you so much for this, for this time right now. I could just stare at my iPad. The light illuminates. It's your, your, you know, you're bright and this is awesome. You know what I mean? Thank you, Jesus. I mean, anything, you can turn anything around to just give God glory and to just practice his presence. Anything. Anything that's practicing his presence. That's the secret place. The hard part's not the hard part's not being in the secret place and getting God to respond. No, no, no. The hard part's getting to the secret place. It's one of the most violent things you could ever do is find a fig tree. One of the most violent things you could ever do is just slam the door shut. Just say, God, I need you right now. I just need you. Point number three is that Jesus responds differently to those who seek more diligently. Now, hear my heart over my words, but listen to this. God is not a respecter of persons, okay? He rewards equally all who serve him fervently. Does that make sense? Does anybody in here run? 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 Runners? People run. This is a running community. It's like one of the most healthy communities in the country. Um, work out, okay? But I like to use running as an example for this reason. Um, first of all, I don't run. If I run, then you should run because something's chasing me, okay? <laughs> Seriously. I, honestly, too, I don't even need a reason to run. If I saw you guys start running, I'd be, all right, let, let's do it. That, that's, I don't need, you don't need it. What's going on? Who's that? Is there something chasing? Oh, no, no, I don't need a reason to run. I will, I'll be gone. I'm fast too. I'll be like, hope she didn't get hit. <laughs> Anyways, what are we talking about? <laughs> oh, yeah. Jesus responds differently to those that seek him more diligently. Now, listen, when I said this, I said, God's not a respecter of persons. I said that God, uh, God rewards equally all who serve him fervently. That'll mess with your mind a little bit. But what it means is I use the example of running in the sense that if I don't run, okay, if I don't run and I compete against somebody that runs all the time, okay, like, a, like Ryan Williams, guy runs like, like, 
like the wind. I mean, that guy's like marathon man, like went to college on a running scholarship. That should tell you enough, okay? I don't run, right? And so if I run with Ryan and we run a marathon together and he beats me by two hours in a marathon or three hours in a marathon all day, I would, I would not make it. I would, I would be the person that died. There's a reason why there's 26.2 miles. <laughs> Is it fair then? Is it fair then that I share in the same reward as him? No. Why? Because he runs more fervently than I do. I'll give you a perfect example from scripture. Look at the way Jesus treated his disciples. There's 12, right? Somebody almost said 15. I'm just kidding. There's 12 disciples, right? There's 12 disciples. But commonly throughout scripture, you read about three. You read about three. For instance... There's a man named Jairus. His daughter, his daughter is dead. He's like, Jesus, I need you to come to my house, heal my daughter. Jesus is like, okay. They go to the house. Jesus says, everybody out except Peter, James, and John got to go in with him. Interesting, right? Interesting. Now, another time, another time, Jesus transforms into lightning and speaks to a man who's been dead for thousands of years, okay? And only three of the 12 disciples got to see it. It's called the transfiguration, if you don't believe me. Their names were Peter, James, and John. What? So, so Jesus has favorites, is what you're saying. Jesus has favorites. No, I'm not saying that Jesus favored Peter, James, and John because of their talents, their abilities, their height, their good looks, their charisma, they were rich, they were poor, nothing like that. I'm not saying that Jesus favored them. I'm saying that they favored Jesus. Does that make sense? You see, those that have more usually had more to give. Does that make sense? And so Jesus responds differently to those that seek him more diligently. They seek him more earnestly. And this is honestly, to be honest with you, this is a truth in why certain people's relationship with the Lord, they experience different things than other people. experience things. He's all the same God. He rewards and he responds differently. Let me not say that. Not rewards. He responds. He chooses to reward how he wants to reward. He responds differently to those that seek him more diligently. Does that make sense? Good. Interesting thought. It's an interesting thought. Second Chronicles sixteen nine says this. It says, For the eyes of the Lord they run to and from throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. God's just looking for people who will seek him diligently. He's looking for people whose heart is loyal to him. 
He's just waiting to respond to us. All we have to do is violently pursue him. There's a lot of kingdoms that are advancing right now, by the way. Did you know that? The organic food market is like exploding right now, right? Hey, that takes, you're laughing, I'm being serious. People will violently, violently pursue the health of their family so they'll grow their own food. Grow your own food? Wow, glad I'm not a farmer. Seriously, there's a lot of kingdoms that are advancing right now. And if you grow your own food and you're into organic food, that's great. I drink organic milk. I'm, not, I'm, just, I'm just saying. But, but it, there's a lot of things that are advancing. There's other kingdoms that are advancing, and they're advancing by how? By force. They're advancing violently. We're talking about creating an intimate relationship with God. How? How do you create an intimate relationship with God? You have to violently pursue him. And when you do, he does back. He responds back. I felt like I needed to say this for somebody. You know, nobody needs to tell you what not to do. Nobody needs to tell us what not to do. Because the sins of death are clear. They're in the Bible. They're everywhere. In fact, it's probably one of the easiest things to do is to find out what not to do when you open the Bible, right? It's an abomination to eat a rabbit, by the way, okay? I'm just saying. That's an Old Testament joke. Sorry. Thanks, man, for laughing, man. <laughs> Appreciate that. <laughs> wow. Anyways. But you see, it's kind of this. It's kind of like this. Imagine if, imagine if you were... Uh, Imagine if you were starting to begin a relationship with someone, or those of us that are married, when you began your relationship with, with, with your partner, imagine if, imagine if you met that person for dinner and they handed you a three-ring binder that said, these are all the things you cannot do. <laughs> You're like, it's time for the check. Can I get this to go? And let's say that your relationship grew and your relationship pursued and, and, and it got and, and you, you, you abided by these rules but, or whatever. But imagine, imagine, do you think that as the relationship grew and as it got deeper and stronger that somewhere six months, a year down the road, that person would say, you know something, I just want you to know, it hurts me when you slap me. Don't slap me, please. Do you think they would need to tell you that? It hurts me. When you say, this dress makes me look full, okay? <laughs> that hurts my feelings, okay? Do you think, do you think that that would be necessary? No, because when you grow intimately with someone close to someone through a relationship, you know what hurts them. That's why nobody needs to tell you what's wrong. Nobody needs to tell you that sin. Because as you grow close to the Lord and you grow deeper and deeper in love with him and you create these intimate times in the secret place together, he reveals to you his heart. He reveals to you what matters to him. He reveals to you what's important. He reveals to you what hurts him and also what pleases him. It's a real relationship, folks. It's a relationship. It's not cold. 
It's not legalistic. It's not high and lofty and mysterious. He is high and lofty. He is God. You work out your salvation with much fear and trembling. He deserves reverence. And at the same time, he desires to be near you, to be close to you. I'll close with this last thought. If my boy will come up here and make it real spiritual, I'd appreciate it. This is a picture of the Crab Nebula. Let's say that together. Everybody say the Crab Nebula. Well, the Crab Nebula is an exploding star, and this picture was taken by the Hubble telescope. It's exploding. I don't, I don't know what else to tell you. Other than it's exploding at a rate of 70 million miles, not feet, not inches, not yards, 70 million miles per day. That's how fast it's exploding. What's interesting is that if you were to look at this today and look through the Hubble telescope, which you can't because it's in space, but see another image of it tomorrow and see another image of it the next day and a month from now, not much has changed. It still looks the same. Like nothing's happening. What? Just a looks like an eye kind of. And for those of us that say, I've tried to pray. I've tried to read my Bible and I fall asleep on the book of Leviticus every time. That's your spiritual life. Every time you try to pursue the kingdom of heaven with violence, sometimes it doesn't feel like anything's happening. The good thing is that your faith has nothing to do with your feelings, but what we don't understand is, and sometimes what we don't see, is that when you create time between you and God, you violently make time to shut the door to get into his presence you seek him earnestly and passionately you favor him over everything else your spiritual life grows 70 spiritual million miles a day and you don't even know it. Could be. But it doesn't look different. It may not, it may not feel different right away. But it's happening. 
The Lord wants to be close to us. He just wants to be near to us, despite how it may feel, despite what we may see happening.